You are listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. We hope this teaching deepens your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to share your faith with others. Please enjoy the message. Okay, I hope y'all are awake because I'm going to need a little bit of crowd participation for this, but this is only going to work if everybody does it. So can we just all agree that we are all going to do what I am about to ask, right? Because it'll be really weird if you don't. Can we agree? Yes, yes. Okay, warm up the vocal cords. It's going to be really simple. It's not going to be dangerous or anything like that. (laughs) So don't worry. Um, I just need you all to say something, but I don't want you to just say it. I want us all to just yell it at the same time. It's going to be three words. Very, very easy. So I'll count one, two, three, and we'll, we'll say the three words, okay? Can we all do that? Yes? Okay, great. Um, the three words are, I love myself, okay? One, two, three. I love myself. Okay, good job. You did it. Okay, so we all agreed to do that. Now can we all agree on one more thing? That was really weird, right? <laughs> like, that was awkward a little bit. W- would you agree? Yes? Did it feel weird to say, I love myself? Yeah, it felt, it felt weird to, I didn't want to do it. Some of y'all didn't even do it, and that's okay. I'm not going to single you out or anything like that. But it feels weird, and I think that's mainly probably because of two things. Number one, maybe we don't love ourselves. Maybe we would have felt like a liar if we said, I love myself, because the truth is, when we sit here this morning, we don't. We don't feel that way. Maybe we can think of a thousand things that we don't love about ourselves and we struggle to think of one thing that we do. Like if I asked you, come up with something that you love about yourself, it'd be hard. But you could have a really long list of things that you hate. The second thing is maybe we think loving ourselves is selfish. Maybe we're feeling ourselves a little bit, <laughs> but we don't want to be that guy or girl. You know what I'm saying? The people who are so self-absorbed and so prideful and so arrogant and superficial and because they get a bad rap in cultures, definitely on social media. It's like that uh, Jim bro really loves himself. Dang. It's like all about you, isn't it, Bo? Bro. But if his name's Bo, that's not personal. But we have to assume that Jesus cares about how we feel about ourselves. We have to assume that Jesus assumes that we love ourselves actually. After all, when the religious leaders were asking Jesus what the greatest commandment was, this is where we've been in this entire series. These guys were quizzing Jesus on the 613 Old Testament Hebrew laws, and they said, which one is the greatest? In an effort to kind of track and uh, trap and trick him. And Jesus masterfully summarized the whole law by saying, not one, but two. So he kind of cheated a little bit, but He can do that. He's Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all of your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, it doesn't just stop right there, does it? But this whole series, we've been saying, love God, love people, right? Love God, love others. And that's just what it's been all about. We've been stopping there on purpose because I've been waiting to get to the last part of this. Love God and love people as you love yourself. Now, this can be kind of a a potentially complicated idea, but I want to spend the next few minutes simplifying it because we're in the series called Simplify, and that's what we've got to do. So to do that, I want to go to Luke chapter 15. Um, There's someone here named Luke right now. It's not 
you, but almost just as awesome is this biblical author named Luke. So if you have a Bible, if you have your YouVersion Bible app, I highly encourage you to get into it, highlight, use this time to actually hold God's word. Bring your Bibles every week. I mean, we're going to be in them every week. And it's pretty awesome to get in there and underline and highlight and write notes on the margins so that you can take this stuff with you as you go. Um, But either way, we'll have it on the big screen. Something to know about Luke really quick before we put it up there and give you a chance to get there if you're on your way to Luke chapter 15. Luke was a follower of Jesus, but that's not all he was. He was a doctor as well. And he meticulously investigated everything that Jesus said and did. And then he documented it all with great detail, just like a doctor would. Like he's, he's observing, he has his like a hypothesis. He's like following the scientific method with Jesus, right? And he's just like, here's what I saw. It was this time, it was this date. And here's what he said, verbatim, word for word, under the inspiration of God. And that's where we get this book. So he talks about this encounter that Jesus had in Luke chapter 15, verse one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Everyone at this point was like, they had caught wind of this guy who was claiming to be God. He was flipping the religious leaders' uh, whole system upside down and they were fascinated. So crowds were gathering and his popularity was rising, but also so was the tension. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Ugh, the audacity. Like, they're like, this guy hangs out with, with these social rejects and these outcasts. They don't even have business breathing the same air as us. Anyway, who's all there? We have the, the Pharisees, right? They were experts in Old Testament Hebrew law. They knew it frontwards, backwards, and upside down. They weren't fans of Jesus because Jesus was threatening everything that they had believed, all of their traditions for thousands of years, how they had raised their families, the temples they had built, the services that they have run, the the animal sacrifice, all of the whole system, Jesus was coming and, and threatening all of it. So they were fascinated. That's why they were there. They wanted to dismantle and stop this man. There were tax collectors also there. Tax collectors were basically like the IRS at the time, except worse because they were less regulated and more corrupt than they are today. They they would come knocking on your door and say, you owe us taxes off of the things you've been buying. Kind of like how now, you know, like 8.25% automatically gets taken. It's it's like tax or whatever. Um, They didn't have the whole automated systems in Square that we got now in Venmo. So people would come to your door and be like, you owe us tax. And so no one liked getting that knock on your door, right? It's like, oh, crap. Um, And not only that, they would pocket a lot of it for themselves. They would say, yeah, you owe us uh, 15%. (laughs) But really, they were only required to turn in eight. So they're pocketing a lot. They had a very bad reputation. And among the people with bad reputations were the sinners in the group. Sinners. People with a bad reputation in this city. People like criminals and people like prostitutes and people who were publicly living lives that were bad or wrong. Basically, the lowest on the societal totem pole and the highest on the societal totem pole, the religious elite, the clean, the upper class, the untouchables, they were all in the same room listening to the Son of God in the flesh speak. 
these people, they had virtually nothing in common. Like, have you ever been in a room like that where you look to the person on your left or the right and you're like, we have essentially nothing in common, right? Like, you're an athlete, I'm a mathlete, it's all good. You're, you're a, you know, on the volleyball team, I, I play Pokemon. I don't know, it's like, nothing's wrong with that. I mean, people are really great people who are on volleyball teams. Um, but Jesus, he, he brought up a topic that they could all understand. He, he brings up something that would land with everyone, like a genius. And you know what it was? Sheep! It was sheep, guys. Everyone say, bah! Yeah, sheep. <laughs> so Jesus tells them this parable as we continue on in, in chapter 15. A parable is like a, a illustration a, or a story illustration. Okay, and so he says, um, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. You're like, bye then. I don't care. Like I got 99 more sheep. Like sucks to suck. Sheep. He says, doesn't that guy leave the 99 other sheep in the open country and go after the lost one until he finds it? Everyone listening to that's like, go on. And he says, when he finds it, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep, right? Jesus, he did stuff like this a lot, right? He, he told a story or a parable and you'll see it if you read through the New Testament, if you take an interest in what Jesus is interested in, if you take time to get to, to know him by reading his word, you'll see that he does this a lot. But he's doing it to help people understand what God is like, because that's really at the heart of their question, right? Basically, if one sheep is in trouble, the shepherd is going to go after it, right? Like that makes total sense. The problem is, that's not true. Everyone listening would have been like, no, no shepherd would do that. That'd be dumb. That's insane. If you went after the one sheep and you have a hundred, you're leaving 99 vulnerable to attack. Like that's not even, it doesn't even make like conscious sense whatsoever. It's so stupid. It's, it's, it's downright reckless. And in fact, that's where we get the, the song from. We, we sing it in here a bit. It's called Reckless Love. And it's like, oh, you know, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found and it leaves the 99. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God because God's love is reckless. It's insane. It doesn't make sense. And I got to say, like, if you were that one, you would want the good shepherd. You wouldn't want me. You wouldn't want you because we're not leaving the 99. But God always will. He's not just any shepherd. And Jesus continues, verse seven. He says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents or feels remorse or sadness, sorrow for something that they've done against God or, or, or wrong, right? There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who, who don't even need to, who are just chilling. This is when they realize this isn't a story about sheep. This is a story about God and people. It's a story about God and you and me. And us, we're the 99. We are the one. 
The Pharisees were the 99. The sinners and the tax collectors were the one. They're in the same room. They're all in it together. And God loved them both equally. There was, there was no greater value on any of them or no less value on any of them in the eyes of God. So what kind of sheep are you? What does culture and society say about you? Are you the good sheep? Are you the bad sheep? Are you the 99? Are you the one? Does it go in and out? Regardless, I want you to hear this. Your value is not dependent on what you do. Your value is not dependent on what you do. You could do all of the right things. You could do all of the wrong things, but that's not what gives the sheep value. The value comes simply from being a sheep, right? From belonging to the shepherd. Your value comes from simply belonging to God and being created in his image and and existing before you ever did anything. You were loved to the maximum degree. There's nothing you could ever do that would ever change that. Even if you wander off, even if you go astray, even if you make mistakes, even if you're perfect all the time, you're not earning it. You're not, and that's another line in the song. I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But still you, you give yourself away, right? Your value doesn't come from what you do. That comes from whose you are. And if you were to write anything down this morning or go away with anything, let it be that. Your value doesn't come from what you do. It comes from whose you are. You, you belong to the good shepherd. I want you to look again at the greatest commandment, right? It says, love God and love others as you love yourself. Do you love yourself? Really? We said it at the beginning of this thing. I love myself. Some of us might have lied. Some of us might not have said it. Some of us might have said it, but we, we don't believe it. Right? Some of us said it and we feel fine. The point is, we are that group that Jesus is talking to. We are that group and he loves us all the same no matter what. And that's good news, right? It's pretty awesome. Jesus connects our ability to love God and to love others with, how, with our ability to love ourselves. And this isn't about building more self-esteem or more self-confidence, which those things are fine. And you can grow self-esteem and self-confidence. And like, that's good. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And, and you know, what's your, what's your motive? But this is really about deciding to see ourselves the way God sees us. Because we, we, can't, we can't really love God. We can't really love people if we don't first love ourselves. And Jesus, it, it's built into the phrase. It's almost assumed that we're loving ourselves. So how do we, how do, we do this? You know, uh, growing up, people made fun of me relentlessly, and it's so easy to do. I know. I'd laugh it off now. It's fine. It's fine, people. But growing up, like, um, I, you know, people would be like, you got a big head and stuff, and you got big teeth, big nose. Um, I'm such a skinny little person. I was like way taller than everybody else, but just way skinnier at the same time, too. This is an awkward human being. It's very hard to find clothes that fit. Um, and so people, you know how it is, middle school, high school, people will find any reason to make fun of anyone for anything. I mean, it is savage out there. Um, even the sound of my voice was a thing that people made fun of, right? And I remember like being like, ha, ah! 
but it bothered me and like stuff actually started to, to get at me low key. And so I turned to these like coping mechanisms as a way to self-medicate. And it eventually evolved into like just partying and drinking and porn or, or self-harm or just little thing. Like I would also just journal a lot and I'd get emotional during these times because I, I didn't, I didn't like myself. I didn't I definitely didn't love myself because all of the messaging I was hearing from everyone was that you're ugly and awkward and weird and dumb. And I felt dumb because I was like failing classes and uh, I was letting people's view of me determine my own value because I didn't know I was loved exactly how I was. I didn't feel like I was loved in my family. I didn't feel it uh, at school. And so I started to believe the lie that I am not loved and that I'm not worthy and that I'm not good enough that I am awkward and stupid and unlovable and my family is an embarrassment. And I would tell myself those things. I would never say I love myself because I didn't. And if I did, I would be a liar. And something changed. It, it changed for me. And I'm going to let you in on, on what changed me in hopes that it can help you. I don't know where you're at in this room today. I don't know how you feel toward yourself, what your relationship with yourself is. Um, but I learned what God thinks of me. And I reminded myself of these things. I committed them to memory and I spent time in them. And they became more powerful than any words anyone ever said. Because these were the words of God. And um, I want to encourage you to do the same. This is the bottom line for this morning is to let God determine your view of you. Let God determine your view of you. Nothing else, no one else, no accomplishments, no failures, not appearance, not what you do in public, not what you do in secret, just God. Let him determine your view of you. You might say, how? Right? Like I said, best way is to memorize the truths about who he says you are. So I want to just put a couple of them on the screen. You can write them down. You can take them as notes in your phone. And just know that this list is not exhaustive. This comes straight from scripture and the word of God. And um, there are so many more just like it. And if you want more or if you want these, I can share them with you afterwards. But the first one is that you are a masterpiece. Like you're not a mistake. You are a beautiful piece of art that God created intentionally and specifically exactly how you are. So any flaws or, or, or shortcomings that you feel about yourself, look, like, like you, it says in Ephesians 2.10, are God's masterpiece. The next thing is that, that you are crowned with glory and honor. Psalm 8 verses 4 through 5 says that what are mere mortals, God, that, that you would think about them? Human beings that you would care for them. You don't even have to care. Like we are nothing compared to you. We're tiny and, and, and worthless, yet you made us only a little lower than God and crowned us with glory and honor. In Genesis chapter one, we were created in God's image. We were created in the image of God. That's pretty awesome. First John chapter three, see how much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that's what we are. As a dad, I can tell you, I would do anything for my children. And if they ever talk bad about themselves, I'm so quick to remind them, hey, don't say that about you. Don't say that about the one that I love, that I created, that, that I, would, I would give my life for. That's you. And like I said, there are so many more. You 
are amazing. It shouldn't be weird to say, I love myself because the creator and sustainer of the universe said it first. He loves you exactly how you are. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Youth Podcast. To learn about our mission, gatherings, and more, please follow us on Instagram at rbyouth or check out our website at riverbend.com students. If you were encouraged by this message, please subscribe, rate us, and consider sharing our channel with a friend. Available anywhere you get podcasts.